Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Republican Senator Jeff Flake rebuked the tone of our politics on the Senate floor this week. We discuss his remarks and the hard conversations we need to keep having to do real work in America. This is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Paint Sue Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Welcome to another episode of Pantsuit Politics. We're going to cover some of the latest news coming from Washington and across the country before talking about some of your awesome feedback. Our community is the best. And in that note, thank you for your ongoing support on Patreon. If you're interested in supporting the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Pantsuit Politics. I think that about covers it, Beth, except for our big, big, big day tomorrow. Yes, we are talking with Gretchen Carlson live tomorrow. We will share that episode with you next Tuesday, but we're really excited to discuss her book, Be Fierce. Just so you know, all of the proceeds from her book go to support women's programs and efforts to stop harassment and violence in the country. So um, it's a worthy cause in addition to a good read. And maybe we should start with some disturbing sexual harassment coming out of the political reporting world. So in our show outline, I just wrote, Mark Halperin, kill me. I am a little shocked. I'm not a little shocked. I'm a whole lot of shocked at the news that Mark Halperin, uh, co-author of Game Change, co, I don't know if he's a co-host, host is not quite the right word, for um, The Circus, which is a show you and I both enjoyed 
tremendously. It's a Showtime show that covered the 2016 election and has started up again in the new Trump administration. Um, but he does it with Heilman, another big political reporter, and our favorite Mark McKinnon. And this is not little accusations of sexual harassment. Not that I don't want to downplay or rank them, but any sexual harassment claims. But these are pretty gross accusations coming from five women, and he's already been um, let go at NBC and MSNBC. You know, I'm kind of mad at myself for being so surprised. Mm. I think that there's this whole process as things like this come out of analyzing our own reactions. I worry a little bit that every woman who's ever had something terrible happen to her is being constantly Mm re-traumatized right now because it's impossible to read the details of these things without having an emotional reaction to them. And I also think how complicit are we all which might complicit might be the word of this episode. Um, how complicit are we all, though? If I react like, oh, my God, not Mark Halperin. Like, mm-hmm. how many people does that mean that I'm sort of invested in in a way that I don't want to believe something like that? What am I missing around me? Because I hate the reality of this. Well, and I think your reaction, too, just depends so much on your personality. I think there is a... Um subset of the population or subset of women who've experienced sexual harassment that I think as more and more of these stories, they're probably like, oh, yeah, finally, thanks for catching up, everybody. You know, like sort of yeah. a vindication. And then there's some that I think probably feel, definitely feel re-traumatized. And hey, whatever your reaction is, you do you. Right. Right. I think that the more important reaction is, how does this feel to men? Mm. How, do, how does it feel to men when... There's this drip, drip, drip. I've seen a lot of tweets about, like, every guy ought to be terrified right now. That doesn't seem healthy. No. That's not the, that's not the point. That's you are not missing the point. the point. Yes. You are missing the point in a big, big way. If you think, if your reaction to this is every man should be terrified, gross. It grosses me out. Yeah, I hope that men can find a space for feeling... What? What would what would we hope men would feel? Sad, disappointed, responsible for yep. change in large and small ways. Um, Maybe a and, deep sense of reflection. Yes. Deep and, and abiding sense of reflection. What was my role? What is my role in this culture? What um, aspect of the experience am I fundamentally misunderstanding about what women go through in the workplace? That would be a good. Like curiosity would be a good. Curiosity would be a good one. And supportive Mm -hmm. for men to have that attitude of this could be very hard on the women around me. This could be very vindicating for the women around me. This could be very confusing for the women around me. Whatever they're feeling, that's okay. And I should be supportive of that as well. Well, because I looked at my husband in the midst of all the the Harvey Weinstein when it started to break and all this conversation about sexual harassment. And I said, um have you ever sexually assaulted or sexually harassed someone? And to my ter- my husband's eternal credit, he calmly responded, no to the first one, I'm not sure to the second one. He's like, I don't think I have, but am I I'm being honest with myself? Have I have I, you know, carefully cataloged everything I've ever said to a woman and do can I say definitively that it was not hurtful or um gender-based? No, I can't say that, and I probably have. And Good so for him. Yeah, you know, and I think that's I think that's the way to think about it is not because one of my absolute favorite things Gretchen Carlson talks about in the book 
is that sexual harassment training perpetuates the idea that sexual harassment is based on the perception of the harasser. Guess what? Not true. Not accurate. Um, and I, one of my, you know, favorite things about the letter we shared in the last episode is that Keith really discussed the idea that like it, de- you know, it's not that it doesn't matter. It's in your pers- per- your perception and your perspective is important. But the idea that if you did not, if you thought it was consensual or you thought you didn't mean any harm by these sex, these sexist jokes, that's that it's also such a privileged position to think that your perspective is the only one that matters, first of all, obviously. Um, but if we can chip away at that and say, you might not have meant it, quote unquote, you have might have thought you were joking or all these things. Although, P.S. Mark Alperin, ain't nobody thinking you were joking. Um, cause those stories are gross. But, you know, if we can chip away at the idea that it's the perception of the harasser is the most fundamental piece of this, um, process or this, this act will be going a long way. It's a little bit of the flip side of the coin of the conversation we've been having about Title IX, because in many of these instances, there is a criminal component. And because of that, we tend to extrapolate all of our criminal justice elements to these situations. And so innocent versus, you know, innocent until proven guilty is an important tenet when you're talking about incarcerating someone potentially or convicting them of a crime. But the need to change our culture requires a belief in the victim from Mm -hmm. the outset, right? And there's a tension between those two things. And what we're talking about now, to be clear, is the cultural change needed to stop this from being a situation where every single woman has a story? For that to happen, we have to suspend the criminal side of it and take ourselves out of the adversarial context where people can be reflective like Nicholas and say, like, you're not convicting me over it. If I'm honest about my behavior, I don't know. Maybe I don't know yeah. everything. We got such right. a response to this article about cultural appropriation that I posted on Facebook. Woo! Still Holy going. Cow. It's still going strong still over going. there. But you know what I wanted to say about that article is I don't know. You know, mm. and that's okay. And I think that's it's okay, okay for men in some there look, there's conduct that is just egregious happening all the time. There is also living in a culture that teaches you to say things that are offensive and condescending and hurtful. Um, and for us to be able to have a conversation about all of those things, it might be a good moment for a lot of men to be saying, I don't know, what can I learn from the women around me? Yeah. I don't know can be empowering public service announcement. I don't know. Saying I don't know can be empowering. I know that seems antithetical and it's certainly not a cultural message anybody receives, but one of the biggest shifts I've had in my own life with regards to a lot of things, particularly with my thoughts and philosophy and values surrounding um, abortion is being able to say, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Let's talk about someone who does feel a sense of conviction this week, Mm -hmm. and that is Senator Jeff Flake, who announced on the Senate floor that he will not seek re-election after the end of his term because he has decided that he can, in his words, more effectively represent the people of Arizona and his conscience by being freed of political considerations related to re-election. Okay, so here are some things that I've been thinking about with Jeff Flake. First of all, 
I accept as true that Jeff Flake knows he could most likely not win in a primary and would have a very difficult battle in the general election. I accept that as true. Fine. I believe you and all the people saying this. I do not think that automatically negates everything that he has said up until this point. So I think that he can be convicted and realize that he would not win. And even if you accept the reality that he knew he was not going to win, it is still wildly abnormal for a United States senator who realizes he's not going to win his re-election to stand up and publicly just attack and take down the president who is a member of his own party. Am I wrong about that? I agree with all those things. The other and that I would add is and Jeff Flake has not become a Democrat overnight. And so he's still going to have made and will make votes that people who are Democrats, people who agree with him about this speech will disagree with him on other things. And that doesn't mean this speech was hollow either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to pull out. Now, I'm not saying this from a place. I think Jeff Flake was right to call himself complicit in what's happened so far. I think he appropriately took responsibility for some of what's occurred with the president. He might still vote for a tax cut, you know, and like that's where it is. We, we have and to, to me, be able to make room for that. Stronger. It's he's not. You know, he's a pretty conservative guy. That's this right. is not Susan Collins or Lisa Murkowski. And doesn't that make what he says even more intense? You know, the fact that it's not because at first I had this moment where I was like, man, we're running. It's it's a really dangerous position to be to be running off all the centrists. And I'm like, wake up, Sarah. Bob Corker and Jeff Flake aren't centrist. You know what I mean? Like, that's not what's happening either. Like, these are conservatives. These are conservatives that true conservatives who don't subscribe to nationalism and hateful rhetoric surrounding immigration that seems like the current currency of the Republican Party. That's what I think it does. It brings into relief the fact that Trumpian policy is not conservative policy. Mm -hmm. And people like Ted Cruz have a choice to make. Yep. And Rand Paul. And lots of people. I mean, there, Mm -hmm. there are lots of people who I think Jeff Flake and Bob Corker are sharply defining the crossroads for them. And if what we continue to see is that the only people who find any kind of moral clarity are those who aren't seeking reelection, then we've got some big questions to ask ourselves. Yeah. And I just feel like it was the, the conversation, particularly surrounding Flake, and this has happened with McCain and Corker, it just is reflective of the absolute impossible position that our, we put our politicians in because we treat them like products and not like people. And so this idea of he's not he's nothing's good enough for anybody, right? So he stand Republicans need to stand up and take on Trump. Well, then not they can't do that and then say they're not running for re-election. That's not acceptable. And then they have to vote with the resistance every single time. Like everybody chill. Let's allow space for everyone to resist the president in their own way. It's not a checklist that we all you know, this purity test stuff really bugs me. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. 
I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day. Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. The other thing I think to recognize is that we have a problem in this country that Republicans created mostly through partisan gerrymandering. Mm -hmm. They have made this bed where they're beholden to the base, which is currently controlled by Donald Trump and to some extent by Steve Bannon. That problem, despite it being a problem of their own making, still affects everybody. And we Mm -hmm. all have to be part of the solution to that problem. And we'll talk more in a future episode about the Supreme Court case pending on um, gerrymandering. But I think it's important to recognize that there is a very real issue here. It is true that people are going to have trouble, especially in the House, getting through races if they abandon the president despite his historically low approval numbers because of the way these districts are drawn. And that has to be addressed. And I would just encourage 
Mitch McConnell, I heard someone describe sort of a first, which is hesitancy and fear in the McConnell camp when he's usually such a safe political player. I would encourage you to get very comfortable with the idea that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And if you have not caught on by now that Donald Trump is throwing you and your party under the bus and that perhaps a Hail Mary of bipartisanship on a number of issues with the Democratic Party might not be a bad idea. And listen, that's true of the Democrats, too, because the idea is like we have to make them fail. That's the only way we're going to win in 2018. Maybe. Or maybe if you guys got together and actually found solutions and did some things, even if he vetoes them, make him the bad guy for a change. Like he is playing you guys so hard right now. And it's so obvious. I do want to say I really loved the speech that Jeff Flake gave. I loved that it had historical references. I loved that it had a vocabulary level above fourth or fifth grade. Hmm. I loved that it was aspirational and reflective. It made me miss that kind of oratory, you know. And I, as much as I respect Senator Corker, I really don't like that he's in the mud with the president. Yeah. And, and I liked Jeff Flake's way of going about this so much better. And I hope that he'll continue to take the high road because what because this all does have implications beyond Donald Trump's presidency. Whatever right. happens in the Trump presidency, it's a moment in time. But are we going to, for the foreseeable future, have cabinet officials talking about whether our president's a moron and have members of Congress tweeting about adult daycare and have our president calling foreign leaders, you know, playground names. You know, we've got decisions to make about all of that. And I really think that what every one of us contributes to the public sphere right now matters. And so I think Jeff Flake found a way to talk about this that is at the right level and that we should kind of keep following that example. I agree. Well, one other news item to cover probably relatively quickly, is that, you know, we're just continuing with what happened in 2016. And so depending on your perspective on 2016, maybe you're very jazzed to learn that the Trump campaign um, apparently reached out to WikiLeaks to create a database, a searchable database of Clinton email. Or perhaps you are very uh, jazzed about learning that the Clinton campaign after a Republican campaign started the process, funded the infamous dossier that is part of the Mueller investigation. My, You can probably tell that I'm not jazzed about either one of those things. <laughs> I mean, I just continue to be in a place of believing that Robert Mueller and his team are the right professionals mm -hmm. to carry forward an investigation and that we should give them space to do that. And I will await their findings. I go to the gym every morning and I get on the elliptical and I listen to usually the daily and then another podcast. But in front of me is a display of four television screens this morning. Every morning, at least Fox and Friends and CNN is on. Sometimes MSNBC, sometimes the Today Show. And so I can't hear them, but I can see them which gives you sort of a bird's eye view of the coverage and sort of the emotion they're trying to portray with these stories. And I was, as I was watching this morning with the literally Fox and Friends 
actually they were on it yesterday with Rand Paul talking. He was talking. I don't know what he's saying because I can't hear him. But they were talking. There was lots of graphics and and Clinton dossier, Clinton funds dossier, Democrat funds dossier, blah, blah, blah. Lots of Clinton imagery with the Kremlin. And then this morning, they were still covering that angle, but then CNN has started going with the funding of the dossier and to their, you know, and to the, or mainly with the the Trump reaching out to WikiLeaks and with the dossier. So they were running them sort of together as one piece. And I just thought, it's going to be so interesting in, I mean, I hope Robert Mueller works quickly, but let's just say five years, 10 years, when we have a mostly complete picture of what happened and the information is all out there and we've got books written, to go back and think about this coverage and think about how the narrative was being crafted in contrast to the actual truth of the scenario and the situation, it, I mean, I'm, I don't think I'm being um, super unrealistic to say I do not think the coverage and the final story will overlap that greatly. <laughs> I think that's right. And I think that this leads to a lot of long-term questions about opposition research, too, because I have very little sympathy for the Trump campaign on anything. I do think it's not a great thing that this document is floating around that has both very salacious and very, very serious um, insinuations and, and allegations. And there's no real consistent vetting process that can be trusted here. And look, that's not unique to the Trump campaign there. That kind of crap is out there about Hillary Clinton and has been about a lot of our politicians. And I think that's something that could keep getting worse, right? If every thread of opposition research on every candidate starts to come into the public domain, that's I don't think that's where we want to be. We're not going to get better candidates if we are lapping that stuff up. True, true. And I also think that I, I've seen some comments from people about, you know, the coverage is skewed one way or the other. I mean, I've heard a lot about both of these things, and I don't care that much about either one. It's not that I don't care. It's that I know that the information is incomplete, and I just want to wait for complete information. And here's the other thing. I don't need anything beyond basically the four corners of the Trump presidency to form an opinion about this White House. I don't need anything beyond what Donald Trump himself says to hold the opinion that I have of him. I'm not being influenced by conspiracy theory or unfair media coverage or uh, volumes of commentary that treats him unfairly. I am just listening to the words from his mouth and forming an assessment that he is unfit to hold this office. Mm-hmm. I don't need the rest of this stuff, and mm-hmm. it should play out legally the way that it does. But I'm getting frustrated, especially in light of what Jeff Flake said. I'm getting frustrated with conservatives fighting for the sake of fighting about media coverage of these things. Yeah. If you don't recognize the truth of what Jeff Flake said for what it is, everything else aside, I don't I, I want to have a conversation about what our values are. Also. When you are prancing out, 
Trey Gowdy to start talking about special counsels and more investigations. If there is a scenario in which you think that helps your 2018 prospects, or more importantly, you don't think feeds the monster that is tearing your party apart, then let's have coffee. I need to explain some things to you. Well, that's right. And it's a bunch of things because this idea that the only thing the Republican Party exists for now is to do tax cuts is so offensive. There's so much work of just governing that needs to be done. And I don't know why they're all acquiescing to to themselves as empty products. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Yeah. Yes. They're buying into this narrative. He's. I mean, I just, like I said, if y'all can't see that he is moved on from the media for the most part and he can't beat up Clinton and now it's you guys. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It's he did it to you in the primaries. He's doing it to you again. Have you can you not learn? Like I don't know what to say except for I don't feel sorry for you if you can't see the writing on the wall. And to own, you know, our personal pieces of this, I am not rooting for that dossier to be true. I do not want those allegations to be proven about the person that is serving in our White House right now. And that's a hard space because I also do not think he is a good president. I think he is dangerous. I disagree with him on almost everything. I think he is unfit. And I don't want that to be true. You know, and these are hard things to hold all together. But I think that's the kind of adult conversation that we that we have to have. Mm-hmm. Well, we got some awesome feedback from listeners that we'll dive into uh, to move our adult conversation forward. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies. So we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you Ritual for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. 
Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy Filtered Showerhead is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy Filtered Showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code Pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code podcast 15. So we got an amazing email from Liz about the decision of the Boy Scouts of America to allow girls into the organization. Liz has both a son in Boy Scouts and a girl, a daughter in Girl Scouts. And one of the most interesting things, um, let's start with sort of the political perspective on what the organizations are doing. And she said Girl Scouts has always been more inclusive, and she's glad to see the Boy Scouts moving that direction. But she has the sense that Boy Scouts membership is declining and that there are conservative um, families who've always been more comfortable with Boy Scouts and uncomfortable with Girl Scouts. And this opens up a way for the Boy Scouts to appeal to those families, which I thought was so interesting. I had no idea that the Girl Scouts are viewed as like this subversive feminist organization until we got Makes this email Makes me want to give Liz. them some money, though. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, so Liz made lots of interesting points. And I thought that it was timely to discuss whether there is value in single gender environments, especially as we are wrestling with... Uh, maleness and masculinity and safety. There's just a lot here. Well, here's the thing. So my husband is an Eagle Scout and his three brothers are Eagle Scouts. It's actually a great story. His mother, well, they were didn't have a lot of money when the first brother wanted to be a Boy Scouts. And they said, if we're going to buy for this uniform, you got to go all the way. So he became an Eagle Scout and then the next brothers did. So I, of course, went to him immediately and said, what do you think about this? Because they're I understand um, Liz makes the case that there's a really important um, social and psychological component of girls only and boys only environments and that boys need to have to be able to value their maleness and sort of be in these all male environments. And I talked to my husband about this because obviously as an Eagle Scout, he spent a lot of time in Boy Scouts. And look, we have both of our older sons involved in Cub Scouts. They know that they are expected to be Eagle Scouts, mainly because 
the reason I put so much value on Eagle Scouts is because it's the only thing you ever do in high school that stays on your stinking resume your entire adult life. Like if my husband was to apply to a job tomorrow as an almost 40-year-old man, he would put that on his resume. So um, we were talking about this, and he said, look, you know, I understand what she's saying, but there was a lot of really toxic masculinity that was fed in that boys-only environment in Boy Scouts. And so I think we have this really chicken or egg problem, right? If we want to if we want to fight back against toxic masculinity and we want to allow boys to value their masculine or their maleness outside of those definitions, but because our culture is so steeped in that, any male only environment feeds it. Like I don't know, I don't know what to do. <laughs> what do we get how do we address one without her? You know what I mean? Like, I understand the va- I understand exactly what she's saying, but because we're not in a space where we've sort of diffused that toxic culture, male-only environments sometimes enhance it. You know what I'm saying? I absolutely do, and I don't know what the answer to that is. I'll tell you that six months ago, if I had considered the idea of my daughter, Jane, who is six, going to an all-girls school, I would have dismissed it outright. Today, as I have spent the last few months of her first grade journey hearing every day about who has a crush on whom and boy-girl dynamics, I would give a lot to be able to put her in an all-girls school right now. Mm-hmm. Because I, and it's not, I don't think anything unsafe or wrong is happening. And I'm not a Puritan. I don't want her to be free of you know, understanding how men and women relate to each other or or anything like that. But my goodness, the oxygen it takes up for her. It's just so much thought and energy about stuff that I, I feel like it diminishes her curiosity about other things because it is so prevalent. But I agree with you that I don't know that I'd have that perspective if I had sons. And if I had sons and I was considering an all boy school for them, you know, my brain conjures up this very kind of locker room image that I view as unhealthy. Because, you know, one of the things that always worries me, that the fact that I have all boys, is that there's all this research that says, like, one sister greatly improves the quality of life for brothers, that female presence. And so, you know, like, I try really hard to make sure my boys, especially Griffin, has a lot of female friends. Like, he gets along really well with girls. And so, I like, I'm, but it's like, they self-sort so badly because they feel it from all of us. I know that they do. And, like, I try really hard to make sure he has playdates with his female friends and to keep them in his life because it's so important to me. And so when this came up and it was like, like I immediately texted the mother of one of his, one of my good friends and one of his female friends and was like, great, let's get her signed up. Let's get her in there right now. <laughs> because I want those girls in his life. I just do. And um, I see the, the balance that they bring and I see the sort of influence they bring. And I see what happens when it's all him and his male friends, and I'm not loving it. And so, like, to me, the benefit far outweighs the cost as a mother of all boys. And I think that um, that could even be true with the girls and the right. And I'm sure there's all sort of, like, child development about sort of the numbers and the makeup and what an important aspect that is, too, you know? Yeah, I don't I don't know what the answer here is. It takes me back to the 
very complicated feelings I have about women's events for professionals, mm-hmm. you know, networking mm-hmm. events and talks and professional development opportunities. I always get this mix of um, enjoyment and fulfillment from events like that and also kind of rage. Um, and then the complexity of sitting there knowing that I would be very disgusted if a group of men were having men, a men's only event. And I don't think it has to be equal. Like there's something to be said for, look, because of the power differential, these things have to be different. I also think that it's true that we cannot solve any of these issues without getting to the fact that male identity has been so challenged and stretched and changed over the past couple of decades. And and there needs to be resolution for that. Or yeah. at least an evolving process about that. It's not wrong to say that that it means something to be male in my mind, as long as that, as long as it meaning something to be male, isn't toxic or exclusive or mm-hmm. limiting or predatory. Right. right. That's the problem. Is not that we don't value maleness. I mean, she talks about that. Um, there is an Eagle Scout equivalent in Girl Scouts called the Gold of the World, but it's just like nobody, it's just not taken as seriously because, surprise, surprise, we don't value feminine things. So it's not that we don't value maleness. It's that we are we limit too strictly what maleness means. And so the only way we tell boys that they can feel valuable as men is to earn, to take, to be sexual conquest and all this And so, you know, I think that's the problem. And so if by bringing in girls, and again, there was a really great New York Times article that was like, we also need to open up Girl Scouts. You know, like, it's not that I want girls to, I only think that Boy Scouts has value. I would love to see Boy Scouts to take on some of the values of Girl Scouts. Like, can we just all get together and decide that scouting is valuable and let's see what we can learn from each other? Because as I've often said, I think we've done a decent job of opening up male values, sort of male pursuits to girls and saying, it's okay to be a Tom girl. It's okay to play sports. It's cool to play sports. Um, and sort of those aspects of childhood, like, you know, like they have Legos, although they stop, everybody stop putting thing in pink. Let's just, that's step number one, stop with the pink. Um, but I don't think we've done a good job at all of opening up, feminine things to boys because let me tell you nothing causes people to lose it more than seeing a boy a little boy do anything feminine they just lose their shit like paint when I paint my boys nails people freak out when I let them have dolls people freak out like there's just this sort of the feminine is not valuable that underlies all this and it's not that we're saying maleness is not valuable. We're just saying that feminine is valuable too and that they're, the expansion and the definition of both serves everyone. Yeah, that's the thing. We always approach it as zero sum. Yep. You must lose something. Being an Eagle Scout must mean less if being a gold star means more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I was telling a friend of mine, we were talking about this, and I, and she was talking about the scarcity mindset. And I said, you know, not to, because I really love to beat up on consumerism these days. It's like my new favorite hobby. And like in the industrial age, when we were 
focused on consumerism, it was, there was a scarce, it, there was only a finite amount of things. <laughs> and somehow we've decided that applies to everything. It doesn't even really imply to anything in, like sort of production anymore. You know, we can sort of make more of anything. Not saying we should, but we can. And so I don't know why we're still so stuck in this scarcity, zero sum mindset. One other piece of feedback that we want to mention before we wrap up today that I think goes to some of those points, although it's a winding path to get there, is a note that we got from Janice about end-of-life care. This is a topic that we return to every time we pick up health care. And Janice's message has really touched me. She is a hospice nurse in California, and she sees so many ways to improve the lives of patients by transitioning from aggressive therapy to palliative therapy. Janice talked about how 41% of people who qualify for hospice actually receive it and that it would be transformative financially and spiritually to change those numbers. Here's what she had to say. I've trained a lot of new hospice nurses and bursted a lot of optimistic bubbles about what this job really is. I've sat down with nurses and asked them to look me in the eye and tell me that I'm dying. They stutter and struggle and don't know what to say. I like to tell people I'm a professional bad news giver. That really is true because I do not lie. My patients rely on my honesty to understand where they're really at in the process and what they should expect. I don't lie, but I choose my words very carefully. I can't believe the things patients tell me about what their doctors wanted to keep doing or what their families want them to keep doing. We can't accept our own mortality, that it's okay to just live while you're dying. It's okay to stop aggressively fighting a losing battle. And that sometimes, despite our best efforts to be strong, it's just not enough. I'm rambling on, but the point is, hearing you ladies talk about this on your podcast and knowing that so many people are hearing your words is so comforting to me. You tell the truth about realistic expectations of pain management. One of the biggest parts of my job is pain management. We always set a goal for pain and many people tell me zero. When they tell me zero, I tell them to be realistic. I explained that we're not fixing the source of pain, so it will likely continue, but we'll do what we can to keep it at an acceptable level. People are often very agreeable to these kinds of things when you talk to them about it. And I thought that was so important. You know, just her observation that we start out with, no, I don't want any pain. And then when you say, you're going to have pain, Let's talk about what level of pain you can accept. We can work with that. And that feels related to this whole conversation about gender roles to me too, Sarah. Do Mm -hmm. you follow that thread? Yeah, I feel that. I feel that the idea that if we allow for another reality, we can all put down our weapons just a little bit. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well said. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm there with you. Well, and also the other thing I thought about, um, which I've talked about, on this podcast before and we were going to share another piece of feedback but it's going to go in our email so little plug if you're not subscribed to our weekly email get on it um you can subscribe on the website it's a really great email from liz about her husband in the military and this idea that just because you're in the military or just because you're a four-star general and i would continue that you're not automatically a perfect person it doesn't even make it mean necessarily that you're a good person quote unquote um and i think we do The same thing, I was thinking about this, the list of things I would say, like, just because you're a military, just because you're a police man, woman, just because you're a firefighter, just because, and then I was thinking about another, this mantle we put on people, just because you have cancer doesn't mean that you're automatically a good person or automatically this super strong, brave person. I know those words sound unequivocally positive, but I can only imagine how much pressure they put on a person. And the weight 
it feels to carry around everyone's expectations about what it means to be dying or what it means to have cancer or to have a fatal disease or to even have a chronic disease that we don't allow any grace or room to be something besides strong and brave every second and to say okay you are dying and there will be pain now let's talk about this from that perspective instead of you are you know the bravest fighter of all time and you are just going to beat this no matter what like that's it's just too much it's too much to ask of someone going through something so difficult um and so that's what i thought was really beautiful about the way she said she talked to people it's kind of the theme of this episode maybe non-dualism because jeff flake doesn't have to be a hero or a villain to have said something true this week and mark halperin has we have thought of in such a positive light for so long. Mm -hmm. And that positive light is not wholly negated by the existence of real darkness that we did not know about. And it's important to hold all of those things together. And there are benefits to having boy and girl only environments. And there's not an absolute on how we teach people about what their genders mean. And what that means for people who find fluidity in their genders. Like all, it's just a series of things where we're not going to have one or the other. I think that's a good place to end. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode on Tuesday. You will hear our discussion with Gretchen Carlson. Insert excited excited music here. And I think that, I think I'm excited about that in a lot of ways, just because she had, her story is interesting to me. And she has spent so much time hearing stories from such a broad array of people. And I'm really looking forward to getting into that conversation with her. We'll share that on Tuesday. Until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Thank you so much to our executive producers, Nicholas, Chad, Tracy, Leslie, Sabrina, and George. You can join us on social media, Instagram and Facebook at Pantsuit Politics and on Twitter at Pantsuit Politic, no S. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com or reviews are always helpful and you can leave one through the Apple podcast app. Thank you to Dante Lima, the composer of our Pantsuit Politics theme music.